0: We have, to, we have to teach people to quiet their hearts and to open the ears of their heart and to listen to God, and God will take that opportunity. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Every Knee Shall Bow, your weekly Catholic podcast on evangelization and discipleship. I am Dave Van Vickle, and I'm not joined once again by uh, your, I'm sure you're one of your favorite co-hosts, at least one of your favorites, right? Michael Gormley. Uh, Once again, our schedules just can't line up. But uh, it's okay. We're gonna continue on. We're gonna push forward here and creating an army of evangelists in America, right? And answering your questions and uh, creating this community of people who are ever trying to expand the circle around them of the kingdom of heaven, right? And in hopes that our circles will meet one day. Um, and I, I know it's 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 tough. It's tough out there. I mean, I I get on social media maybe. Uh, I, I finally took it off my phone um, and I get on like in the mornings and in the afternoons and at night on my computer just because I have a a forum on Facebook that I have to check and make sure things haven't gone crazy or anything. But even just like the few minutes that I spend on social media is draining, right? I mean, it. I, I hate political seasons now. I really do. And, and I think like social media makes it so much worse because I, I mean, I'm not convinced that social media convinces anyone of anything. So, I, like, I, I kind of stay out of the fray with with regards to trying to convince people on social media. I think that the statistics pretty much prove that it's, um, I don't know what you call it, you make little uh, subcultures, right, and people who like you give you likes and people who don't kind of gravitate away. So it just seems like there's not a whole lot of movement uh, and maybe there might be. I mean, there might be some people who are super effective at it, but I'm certainly not. But most, for the most part, it feels right for me to stay off, uh, stay out of arguments, and try to just continue keeping my head down, making disciples, and uh, influencing the people that I can influence to to do the right thing. So it is interesting. Um, to watch the news about all these riots and the Antifa and all this kind of stuff. I, I, I have several friends who are in an, the Antifa. I, I don't know how you, you are in it. I think you just say that you're part of it, right? I don't, I don't know if it's like a card gearing thing, but I have a lot of friends who are, I don't know if I'd say a lot, but I have probably more than 10 friends who are part of it because about I guess eight or nine years ago, I was working on a college campus and I saw a sign For a meeting of the International Socialist Organization, and I thought, oh my goodness, this is interesting. You know, like I've got to check this out. You know, and I went to this meeting, and it was packed, to absolutely packed. And right away, I was like, oh man, I gotta try to evangelize these people. And they knew, um, they knew I was, (laughs) I was there. Like I don't know what they thought the first time, but I was definitely kind of sticking out like a sore thumb. But uh, there, so I've kept in touch with a lot of them and over there's, there've been several converts from that group. Um, you know, they're super intense. So it's like, um, it, the, the, the field is ripe for harvest. Like they're super, super intense. Right. And it, actually the leader of that group, uh, still a very close friend of mine. She, she, uh, well, I, I say close, we, we email still keep in touch and, and, uh, she, I mean, it took all of five years of emailing back and forth, and uh, there were just so many blocks uh, to any concept of the gospel, right? I mean, she had to strip it of any kind of cultural references. Uh, She was a a practicing lesbian at the time, and uh, that was very problematic, obviously, for her. It was a big hurdle. She, you know really had to disassociate it with like western culture and look at the gospel and really look at the person of Jesus alone you know and be wooed by him like we all are you know and and finally she kind of not kind of she did she gave in intensely and and uh lives a beautiful life now as a as a christian and not a Catholic yet, but she's definitely a Christian. You know, she hasn't gotten over every hurdle, but, uh, you know, she gave her life to the Lord. And we've particularly been emailing again recently because of of the news. You know, I, I right away emailed her and said, I remember you guys talking about these protests eight years ago, you know, that you were planning this stuff eight years ago and not necessarily this exact protest. Obviously, this is based on events happening, but they were planning these things, you know, going on. And I never really thought it would happen but but it's it's amazing to me that you know some of these people that I know from that group they're like the best christians I know because they're super intense right they they are vi- fiercely committed to whatever their ideology is and so uh you know that that makes for a good christian once they convert <laughs> it makes for a good christian once they convert if you're if you're looking around seeing this group of of Thugs. I mean, it looks like to me, you know, destroying cities, and you see no hope for them, right? Uh, There is hope. Trust me, there is hope uh, to evangelize people like that. uh, Because that that would easily be, I I, I've never done like dangerous foreign missions, so I'm sure that that would be more antithetical to the gospel. But that the group that I used to meet with, the International Socialist Organization, they were certainly the most aggressive anti-christian people I'd ever been around for sure uh, at least in a philosophical way it was it was hard but there's hope there's hope I don't know if you've been keeping up but uh both Gomer and I've been trying to do things online uh lately and uh you know I, I hope that uh, you've been blessed by them of course the podcast but also uh, if you go to gomer's website the layevangelist.com or sorry lay know the and my website, uh, the Catholic Truth About Angels and Demons.com. There's a, a schedule there of online things that I'm doing. And I know that Gomer has lots and lots of online resources. So if you miss his voice, just go on over to layevangelist.com and you can find something. Of course, he has that other podcast as well, but we won't mention that here. So today, what I want to talk to you about are disciplines to teach a new disciple. Disciplines to teach a new disciple. Okay. Now, let me explain what I'm talking about here. I think uh, probably a lot of you have had the experience of accompanying someone to the point where they give their life to the Lord, right? They become a, what, what you know, thanks to Sherry Waddell, we have this vernacular, an intentional disciple, okay? We're talking about something qualitative here, right? That they go from living a life of you know, following their own will to trying to follow the will of the Lord, right? When that's new in a person's life, it's important that we right at least for me I, let, let me explain what it was like for me when I gave my life to the Lord it was like I my heart was filled with unquenchable desires that's what it felt like unquenchable desires I think that's true for a lot of new disciples that we our hearts our hearts are just bursting right with these unquenchable desires and I always explain like conversion, you know, just just for rhetoric's sake, like, you know, I put it in kind of two buckets, right? For some people, it's it's a, you know, you're looking for that water, and it's just like a trickle, right? You just see a little bit trickle of water. For some people, it's like a geyser, right? And it's like almost hard to control. For either way, either way, a person who's a new disciple needs to learn how to access the living water, right? How, how do we access the living water? And in, in both cases... It can be problematic, right? Because in the case of the trickle, what do we have to do? We have to dig deeper, right? We have to build the well, okay? In the case of the geyser, what do we have to do? We have to to control it somehow, right? We have to control it somehow. And I'm not saying control the Holy Spirit. What I'm saying is we have to find a way that we can regularly... Access this, this, this living water, this grace, right? This relationship with Jesus. And so, what I want to talk about are some disciplines that can help us to access this. And for for most of you listening, you're going to be like, "Oh yeah, well, all of those are part of my life," and I'm super comfortable teaching other people about it. I'm super okay with the concepts that you're 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 getting across to me. But I, like I kind of want to look at it strategically okay like that these these four that I'm going to talk about today would be four foundational principles uh, four foundational disciplines of a disciple and, and we'll talk about them in, in broad terms, but they're really daily disciplines in a sense right? Uh, so, so let's let's start out with the first one. The first one is this teaching someone who's a new convert mental prayer, right? Mental prayer, meditation, Christian meditation is what we're talking about. Uh, For the most part, a new disciple is gonna be praying a lot of devotional prayers and that's great and they should continue on that path. But mental prayer is the most basic means of God sanctifying our soul. Where each and every day we meet him in prayer and we allow him to speak to us, right? Now mental prayer is difficult because you can kind of go, go do two different ways here. Mental prayer, the way it works is it, it moves, like, as you mature, it moves from our activity to God's activity, really. So it moves from, like, active to, uh, active to passive or active to receptive. And in the beginning, like, just putting in the time where you're meditating on Scripture, let's say, usually I'll, I'll recommend that they meditate on a small verse of the Gospel, and they'll might take 10 15 minutes, and you're going to ask God about that gospel passage, right? And for the most part, most of what you're going to hear in your head is your own thoughts about it. But that's okay, because what it is is we're trying to teach people to surrender time and surrender their mind to the loving God, right? And God honors that, and eventually he starts to take over that prayer time. And I'm not saying that God is ever going to say anything to you audibly in English. I'm not saying that, but God will speak to you, and in most cases, it's going to be in a language too deep for words, right? Too deep for words. Uh, you know, I've always been impressed with people who have like long, you know, big prayer journals and everything. And I, I, I do keep like a journal with me. I don't, I don't write in it every day or anything, but you know, keeping a, a prayer journal is great because it can kind of like, but it's mostly going to be your reflections, right? For the most part, you know, God speaks deeper than the English, (laughs) deeper than sentences. Uh, He speaks heart to heart, and that is a language that we have to learn to understand. So mental prayer is so important for the new disciple because it's how we listen to God, right? It's how we, it's time we surrender to him for him to do what he wants with our, our, our will, our mind, our heart, okay? And, and we learn to hear God's voice in that way, right? Um, you know, I, I think that, like, a great, a great quote, and I've never been able to find exactly where it's from, but somebody asked St. Teresa of Avila, you know, why doesn't God speak to people the way he did, like, to the, to the Old Testament people? And she said, because in the Old Testament, right, it was, speak, Lord, your servant is listening, and now it's, listen, Lord, your servant is talking. This this little little you know anecdote like gets to the heart of what I'm saying is that we have to for once, like just we have to teach people to to silence their hearts, right? To quiet their hearts and to open the ears of their heart and to listen to God. And God will take that opportunity. He'll take that opportunity. So uh number one, number one discipline to teach mental prayer. And again. You want to you want to do it easy uh, in an easy, very slow, kind of non-aggressive manner because you know at the beginning, mental prayer can be very awkward. You just sit there in silence and strange, and some people give up afterwards. But for the most part, what I have found is teaching people to take a piece of the gospel and reflect on it for a certain period of time is is a very natural way to get them into listening to God's voice. Number two. Kind of along the same line, another way of listening to God would be spending time in the Word of God, right? This is, I don't know if one of these principles will be more important than any other. There, It's kind of like they all come together, right? It's really, really important for a lot of reasons that the new disciple or the disciple that has just become intentional bathe himself in the Word of God, both in the Scriptures but also in the tradition, Okay. Why? Well, let's start with just one reason, okay? I mean, there's a million reasons, right? Let's start with just one reason. The first is this. Our our world is loud, right? It's loud, and everybody is competing for our attention, and they're competing for our uh, ascent, right? They all want to win us, you know? And so, it like, it's really difficult for the Christian to not have God's voice just be one of many, and and it's really difficult to discern which one is the voice of the Lord, which one is the voice of the Holy Spirit, right? And yeah, you can learn that in prayer. There's no question about it. But we know definitively, right, that when we look at how God speaks to man, we know that the primary way is through Scripture and tradition, right? This is this is the primary way. We know that when we read the the Gospels, when we read the the, the Bible we know that is God's inspired word when we read the tradition we know that the Holy Spirit has guided the church right to teach this and that that is the way God speaks and so it can help us to discern further right when we hear voices out in the world is that does that sound like the voice of God or does it sound like the voice of man does it sound like the voice of the evil one right that's that's just one reason. Number two, uh, another reason why you want to have them daily reading the scriptures and and reading the tradition, right, is because there is a there is a link between understanding what the church teaches and our spiritual life, right? The catechism, I say this all the time. So you probably heard this quote from me a million times, but the catechism says that there's an organic link between the dogmas and our spiritual life. The dogmas, right, or the you know the set definitive teachings of the church they reveal to us the face of Christ, right? They reveal to us the face of Christ and, and they should be understood that way, right? That a dogma that's hard to understand, we should, we should look at it as what about Jesus is this revealing to me? And what about this? This is the teaching of Christ, right? And so you, you do want a new disciple to learn what the church teaches for a lot of different reasons. It will organically benefit their spiritual life. It will put them in the in the position of student rather than teacher, right? We want them to learn how to be a disciple and not uh, necessarily a teacher, right? We want them to learn to learn for uh, to learn how to learn first and then teach. I mean, there's a lot of reasons, but teaching a new disciple how to read scripture and how to read tradition, right? Probably the easiest way is just uh, first of all reading the Bible. And 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 a lot of people, you know, use one of the Bibles that's like every day you read the whole Bible in a year, and I think that's good. I've done it before. I have a friend who's done it about ten times, uh, and he knows the scriptures inside and out because of that. And then the new catechism works well as well, or or you could use the Baltimore Catechism like we've talked about before, or really a lot of there's a lot of books that you could recommend. But it, depending on the disciple, you would want to make sure that it's uh, simple enough or weighty enough, whatever you think, you know. But spending time reading. The word of God, you know, uh, in both scripture and tradition is going to be very, very important and super fruitful, super fruitful, right? Uh, And when it comes to scripture, I always recommend to new disciples to even memorize some of those scriptures, right? Remember, what we're doing when we're making disciples is we're taking ground, right? We're taking ground. That's what we're trying to do. And there's a million things trying to take the ground of the heart of a disciple so memorizing Scripture kind of has a weird way of activating our mind for prayer, even when it, we're, we're being passive, right? In a lot of ways, memorizing Scripture can, can bring about healing uh, for past uh, hurts and past sins. Memorizing Scripture can provide us with prayer in a time when we wouldn't normally have prayer, right? Like if you need a book to pray, but you're at a stoplight, you're not going to pull out a book and pray. But if you memorize the scripture verse, you can pray that scripture verse over and over again. And, and memorizing scripture is also great because, it, you know, we're in solidarity with the early Christians, right? They did not have the book, right? They didn't have the Bible, maybe some scrolls. But for the most part, they tried to memorize this, the great story, right? And Christians who are in places where that's illegal, right? Uh, think of, you know, some of the stories of Christians being in communist work camps, right? And, and they would each, you know... Try to memorize parts of the Bible, right, so that they could feed each other, right, in a sense. So, so spend time in Scripture and tradition. Number three, a new disciple needs to start taking. Uh, you, you know, the, the phrase intentional discipleship is is important because, like, it has to be applied to every part of our discipleship, right? So we w- we don't want to be like kind of laissez faire about one part, right? Just our prayer life. We want to be we want to be intentional about. Every part of our discipleship. Okay. And what and one of the most, you know, foundational parts is our moral life. We have to like mature here and understand once again, right? That the world that there is sin in the world. And it does affect our relationship with Jesus. Right. In scripture it says to lay aside every encumbrance of sin, so to focus on the race before you, right? And run the race as fast as you can. Right. Sin plays a very real role in an early disciple right? Well, in all disciples, but a very serious role because usually usually there is a lot of it, right? Like if you haven't turned your heart to the healer of hearts over and over again, of course there's going to be like some serious glaring sin in your life. And so for the most part, what we have to do is really just start to look at it intentionally and say, okay, look, this isn't becoming of a Christian. And so we've talked about this before. I think Gomer even has a mission called that one thing. But that's exactly what I would recommend for a new disciple, is think of the one thing that you feel like is keeping you from, from your relationship with Jesus. What is the one thing that is most uh, destroying your intimacy with God? What is that one thing that is causing you to um, uh, stumble, right? That one thing. And, and and I would name it, and I would write it down, and I would really start to work on that sin, Right? I hate the word work when we're talking about discipleship because we can't overcome sin on our own. That's not how it works, right? Christ in us, right, transforms our hearts, and his grace will win that battle. But That's what I mean. The work that we put in is surrendering more fully to God, Uh, and and, and the ways to do that are through examination of conscience, uh, through acts of contrition, through going to confession regularly, So teaching a new disciple about confession is a really important foundation, right? And teaching them that they have to go more regularly is a really important foundation, right? That yes, they should continually bring their sins to God personally, and God desires this, but also to step into the heart of the church and allow a representative of Christ, someone who can actually be in persona Christi, to forgive them of their sins, right, and welcome them back into that intimacy. So teaching them how to go to confession, how to make a good examination of conscience, how to repent, this is what I mean by taking sin seriously or taking our moral life seriously, okay? that That is a foundational principle of discipleship that it doesn't seem like gets a lot of attention anymore. I, I think there was a time in our church where we, like, lived up to the stereotype as the church of no, right, that we were, like, always, I don't know, throwing the Ten Commandments in people's faces or something like that without, like, revealing the person of Christ. But I don't see that now at all. (laughs) I don't see any evidence that we're taking sin seriously in our churches, both from the pulpit and from the lay faithful. I don't see a lot of evidence of that. So teach them to take their moral life to the next level, right, meaning that they are intentional about looking at what is that next sin that is keeping me from Jesus Christ, right? What can I do to try to avail myself of his grace and be healed of this? And, and make sure you're prudent about this that they know it could take a long time. Number four, this is all about the Eucharist, right? <laughs> make the Eucharist, right, the source and center of their life. It's kind of in a certain sense, you could say that all these three disciplines feed into this one. Whereas before, like, we're hearing Christ, like, uh, through through Scripture, through a sacramental, right? In the Eucharist, we're encountering the Savior himself, right, in a, in a very real and sacramental way. And so it's like this is where the bulk of the work of holiness is going to be accomplished, is in the Mass. So teaching them how to surrender to the Mass, surrender to the Eucharist, Surrender to Jesus in adoration, in Eucharistic adoration. Teaching them about what it means and what the sacrifice means, and why and how we can receive that sacrifice mystically over and over again. Right, teaching them how to to reverently and open uh, in an open way receive the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Right, this is you know once someone becomes an intentional disciple, what are we looking at next? We want them to be a saint. And this is where saints are made. Uh, saints are made by the Saint Maker, and by that tiny little Eucharistic Host. So, teaching them how to go to adoration, teaching them how to make uh, spiritual communions when adoration and Mass are not possible, and teaching them uh, how to how to participate uh, correctly, reverently in in the Mass, the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, and then inspiring them to make it the center of their life. That's that is amazing. I mean, it's an amazing thing to teach a new disciple. And I, I wouldn't say that you start with number one here. I would say all of these are four things that you can teach a new disciple together, and that together, they give you a pretty good foundation for growth and holiness, for learning from your rabbi, for creating intimacy with the, the person who's, you know, with Jesus, our, our, the one we're, we're we're disciples of. These are things that can really give you a great foundation and and a, and a lifetime of growth. A lifetime of growth. Uh, it's not like you're ever going to say, "Well, I've, I've meditated enough. I've read the scriptures and the tradition enough. I've uh, done enough. I've not. I have no more sin in my life. Everything's okay." And I've I've delved into the mystery of the Holy Eucharist enough. Right? That that's never going to happen. But we want to get them right away into these disciplines so that they can be fed, right? And, and and in a lot of ways, before becoming a disciple, they're being fed indirectly, right? We're kind of like a mirror of the sun, right? So the sun hits us, shines on us. We reflect it to this disciple, and the disciple sees us and sees that and, and and experiences God through us in some way. Of course, God is also communicating to that person in a way that the person doesn't even really know. But all of a sudden, like once they become a disciple, it's like, hey, let's take that mirror away you know, and let God disciple them completely. And we'll step out of the way and just try to help them along this path uh, of really going into that growth phase, right? Putting those roots down so deep and and harnessing that water, whether it be the trickle, needing a little bit of cultivation, building a well, or the geyser, needing a little bit of discipline, right? Being able to everyday experience, the the living water that flows right. These four things can help you do that right. So if so if you are an evangelist out there, maybe some of you are like just like duh, this is so stupid. Why why is he even bringing this up? We know this, okay. And if that's you, that uh, you know, we'll get you next week. But if you are an evangelist, right, and you're struggling with, well, what do I do when someone says yes to the Lord? What do I teach? If you're at a parish, you know, and you're not teaching your your disciples this, you're not teaching your people this right? This is a big problem, right? This is uh, the normal means to holiness, what I'm talking about. If you're a DRE, right, uh, and and you're doing RCIA, you those people are going to be in all levels of discipleship. They got to learn these things. They have to learn this in order to have a fruitful Christian life. Uh, so this, these would be four easy focuses for you, right? And 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 things that are very easy to teach because they're part of your life as well. They're part of your life as well. We're going to step away for a minute. You're going to hear a probably awesome ad from Ascension Press. We're so happy to be a part of Ascension. And uh, again, I say that on behalf of me and Gomer. Uh, if you have any questions at all, please email us at eksb at ascensionpress.com. That's eksb at ascensionpress.com. When we come back, I'll give you some practical takeaways. I'm Jeff Cavins. I wrote The Activated Disciple because I know how easy it is to practice the faith and to study it, but what if we lived our entire lives without doing what we learned? God doesn't just call us to be students. He calls us to be disciples, to look and live like Jesus. If you yearn for a life that moves beyond just studying and believing, if you yearn to become an Activated Disciple, then this book is for you. The Activated Disciple teaches you how to take your faith to the next level so you can become an instrument for God to transform the world. To order The Activated Disciple, visit ascensionpress.com or Amazon. And we're back to Every Knee Shall Bow, uh, your weekly Catholic podcast on evangelization and discipleship. It's just me today. I hope that was okay with you guys. I know uh, pretty soon our our schedules are going to steady out and we are going to be able to, to match up a little bit easier. Uh, I I know that's coming soon. I know that's coming soon. So hold out. Uh, bear bear with me here uh, in the coming weeks. So I want to give you five or uh, four, actually. We're going to do four practical takeaways of based on this, right? So the first one is this. If you have not Added meditation into your life, right? Added Christian meditation, mental prayer. Uh, those words are interchangeable, right? What I want you to do is tomorrow, just take the most most widely known verse probably of all time, right? John 3 16. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believeth him in, in him might not perish but have life everlasting, right? Uh and I want you to spend not not even 10 minutes, but five minutes meditating on that gospel verse. Now, if you think that's going to be daunting, take a longer part of that. Take all of John 3, right? You don't have to just take John 3, 16. Take more of it. And just spend time asking God questions in prayer. Number two, I mentioned uh, scripture and tradition. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to choose a scripture verse, right, to memorize this week, and also choose a dogma of the church, right, to get to know, to learn. Right? And to learn it well. I mean, you can learn a dogma of the church well in, in a single sitting, easily. There are just so many resources at our fingertips with regards to the internet and things like that. So uh, choose a dogma of the church. There are over 300, right? Uh, something that's interested you or something that you have a question about. And choose a scripture verse. Memorize the scripture verse and learn about the dogma. Number three, name that one thing. Name that one thing. What's the one thing in your life that's keeping you most from God? Write it down could be on a post-it note, could be in your prayer journal, doesn't matter, do that first step of writing it down and saying, okay, this is it, this is what's keeping me from God, am I going to allow this to continue in my life, or am I going to finally surrender to God fully and let him take this from me? Number four, number four, as we said before, right, the mass, okay, the mass is like a diamond, every time you turn it, you see a different angle, right, what I want you to do is turn that diamond, right, Learn something new about the Mass. Learn something new. Uh, For the most part, most of us just receive, you know, in Mass. We're so just kind of passive. And there are things that happen in the Mass that we don't even know what they're called or what they are. So learn something about the Mass, right? Could be reading a book like The Lamb's Supper. Could be reading an article about the Mass. It could be reading just about the Mass parts, right? Learn something this week new that you did not know before about the Mass. And finally, this isn't a practical takeaway, but a warning, right? A warning. God, he he calls people to go out, right? And he never keeps the disciples for himself, but he also sends them out, right? And if God sees you availing yourselves of the living water, right, that he gives, if he sees you practicing these disciplines each day and each week, and, and availing yourselves of the living water, right, that finally will quench your thirst, right? If he sees that, he will send you out. He will send you out. Uh, and you will be, um, you know, a lot of your desires as a new disciple will be quenched. But one, dis- one desire that is not ever going to be quenched is the desire that he expresses on the cross. That is, I thirst, right? That thirst for souls. So Be ready. Be ready. If you practice these, God is going to naturally start to turn you outwards, and he's going to have you looking for other deserts that need the living water. I hope you learned something today. I hope this was okay. As always, we'd love to hear from you. Again, eksb at ascensionpress.com or uh, whatever you listen to your podcast on. If you could give us a rating, we'd be so happy about that, Uh, and maybe even a comment. So. God bless you all. You are always in my daily prayers, and hopefully next week I'll be joined by Gomer. God bless.